And so, as a beloved and a forgiven people, let us take the time to hear our gospel reading for today. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, reading chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and I am reading today from the Common English Bible Translation, but as I say every week, I encourage you to hear this in the biblical language or the use the biblical translation to follow along that best connects you with God. So once again, let us hear Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6. We are reading about showy religion. Be careful. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from God who is in heaven. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may get praise from people. I assure you, that's the only reward that they'll get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may give to the poor in secret. God who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you, that's the only reward that they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your creator who is present in that secret place. For our gods who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites do. They distort their faces so people will know they are fasting. I assure you that what they have is their reward. When you fast, brush your hair, wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people but only to God who is present in that secret space. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. And stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are the words of God for all who would hear them. Thanks be to God. So we've been talking about discipleship over the last few weeks together and what it means to be a disciple both in the world and in our communities and in our congregations. And all of this has been leading up to what is it that we do with this information on discipleship, especially as we find ourselves heading into the Lenten season, this season of contemplation and of prayer and of deepening our spiritual connection uh, with Christ and with God and with the Spirit as we make our way through this last few moments of Jesus's ministry and start heading toward the cross of Good Friday. And so I'm sure 
that for many of us hearing this passage, it seems like an incredibly odd choice as our entry point for Lent, um, because that is a season of our church that is deeply focused on ritual. And especially this coming Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, I mean, is there anything that's more out there and in your face than ashes on your forehead and being asked to remember your mortality? But like anything else we do, when it comes to reading our sacred texts, a surface reading of the biblical account really just doesn't get us anywhere. Just like our traditions and our rituals, a shallow practice or a shallow read really doesn't give us much to work with. And so we have to look harder. We have to do the hard work of interrogating where we are, questioning where we are as we enter into the text and where we want it to lead us when we step away from the text to allow it to kind of marinate and sink into our hearts and our understandings. We have to do that hard work, which requires us to dive deeper. And we have to find the places where we can fully immerse ourselves. We have to find a place within ourselves that allows us to go deep, so deep within that we can then rise up afterwards. Whether that rising up is from scripture or from our traditions, it's a rising up with something that we can hold on to and use. And that is what we are going to be doing over these next weeks of Lent, is that we are going to be working on our spiritual practices that allow us to have a deeper understanding of this biblical narrative that we find ourselves a part of, of this Jesus story that is still unfolding. Something you'll hear me say often throughout this time of Lent is practice makes progress when we are in the wilderness. And so, as I said, this is our entry point into discovering those practices. Now, at first glance, today's text has Jesus, and it's Jesus who is speaking these words. And he's calling out folks for religious practices at the time that were performative at best and dishonest at worst. In this moment that Jesus is speaking, he is addressing a people, his people, who are very aware of their own religious practices. People who are part of a community that knows the importance and the significance of certain rituals and acts as it applies to the Jewish tradition and the Jewish religion and the Jewish faith. These people know who they are and they know their history and their stories, and in theory, know why they do the things that they do. But Jesus is not saying that knowledge of these things, or even their practice, is necessarily wrong. Because remember, he is also devout. He is also of the same Jewish faith as those who are hearing him speak. In this passage, what Jesus is speaking directly to is the proper motivation behind the practices themselves. And so to get people's attention, he's using outrageous attention-getting examples to illustrate the need for intention over the need for external affirmation. 
Now, in the message translation, which is one of the biblical translations that I like to use, if you look at the message translation, you can hear and read the words performance or theater used when referring to these, these practices. And today's translation from the Common English Bible speaks of blowing trumpets in houses of worship to announce that a good deed is being done. And so again, this seems like an odd thing to bring up as we approach Lent and prepare to participate in a custom or ritual of Ash Wednesday. A practice that, as I mentioned before, may seem showy or attention-seeking in some ways. But as always, you've heard me talk about this before, the lectionary or, or the scriptures that we choose as pastors to preach from, they're often snippets, small pieces, and it doesn't give us the bigger picture. And so we have to remember that we've been dropped into the middle of something bigger overall in this discussion that Jesus is having. The scripture reading for today is but one part of a greater conversation that Jesus is having, not only with his people, but with us as well today. You see, this text is part of the Sermon on the Mount, which at its heart is speaking to the ways in which God's love for us turns the whole world upside down how we are at the very core of our being, people of value and of worth. And Jesus speaks directly to how when we live and act with the intention of glorifying God in all things, we can experience the transformational kingdom or kingdom of God here and now as well as beyond that all of the labels that the material world may have laid upon us, all of the expectations and cruelty that keep us down in the dirt are nothing, nothing in the face of God's love and grace. And just performing rituals for the sake of being seen or claiming a faith in name but without intention or as Jesus speaks of seeking outside approval or acclaim instead of tending to ourselves and others, those performative rituals are just surface practices because there's no depth. There's nothing of substance there. Now, Jesus knows that our spiritual practices are vital. They're vital for healing. They're vital for thriving. They're vital for a fullness of life and they are vital for a deeper relationship with God. But without the right state of mind, these same rituals just kind of leave us empty and without anything of value to take with us after the ritual is finished. Ashes to ashes indeed. And so it is with us during this season of Lent when we so often hear folks speak about the things that they're giving up, the way that they are performing a Lenten ritual, but where does it go from there? See, most recently, um, I was part of a conversation I had not too long ago with some folks who were pretty close to me. Um, these were all parents. I was part of a Bible study um, prior to moving here to Weston, and all of us had kiddos and 
we're at different stages of life, different ages. We're all in different places along our faith journey. But we came together for Bible study and for fellowship and just time to be ourselves. And it just so happened that this particular conversation was happening around the start of Lent. And so the topic of conversation became what folks were going to abstain from or fast from during the duration of the next 40 days. Now, for some, it was chocolate. I've heard many people say that. For others, it was caffeine. And clearly, I think those people are monsters, but so be it. Um, and of course, there was a discussion about fasting from social media, fasting from the news, and how being so connected to our devices and constant barrage of news, it's affected our lives and our worldviews. And so, you know, fasting would make sense. Or how our inner conversations we have with ourselves about ourselves have been affected by social media and the news. And so these beautiful humans that I was spending time with were speaking about what they were giving up. And each time, each time they spoke about what it was that they were going to fast from, it was accompanied by this incredibly deep sigh and not a sigh of joy. And then some kind of self-deprecating remark. And so having those conversations and having even more conversations like that between then and now got me into thinking and it's had me thinking and reevaluating my own approach to Lent and how I approach it myself personally and how I teach and lead others through the season as a pastor. It's had me thinking about how so many of us in our different spheres, whether they're spheres of faith or spheres at work or, you know, socially, how so many of us see this time as a means of breaking bad habits, but not necessarily the habits that are truly keeping us from being in a deeper relationship with God or ourselves or each other. They're just breaking habits or or allowing themselves an opportunity to take a break from something that they perceive to be problematic. Which left me asking the group, and especially the one who was determined to fast from caffeine like a monster, what good does depriving ourselves of the things that bring us a healthy amount of joy do, right? Why do we equate this time of Lent with suffering and deprivation? Why do our traditions encourage us to take on a practice of fasting or abstaining from something that gives us joy when that practice may in itself be death-dealing and not life-giving? When we do that, we lose sight of what Lent is all about, which is a gift of reflection and intentional centering. We lose sight of what this, is, this time is meant for us, what it was meant to do for us and for our spirits. So what is the intended outcome of this Lenten season? 
Well, the outcome is not to keep us from social media or give us a new appreciation for chocolate or caffeine. This time is intended to bring us closer to God, closer to our true selves, and therefore closer to one another. Because this time of Lent is a gift. From the ashes of Ash Wednesday, we can rise up, rise up like a phoenix, brighter and more brilliant and glorious than ever before. Because we were able to take this time to be intentional with building a relationship with God. So here's another question. What if instead, what if instead of giving up the things that bring us joy, we give up the things in our lives that keep us from rising? What if for 40 days we give up telling ourselves the same old lies that the world has convinced us are true? What if we gave up believing that we are too broken, too far gone, too unworthy of being loved? What if we gave up that narrative? What if we gave up the toxic relationships with items or other people who tell us that we are unworthy or not enough? What if we give up that internal dialogue that so many of us tend to have, the one that tells us we aren't smart enough or driven enough or rich enough to make a real difference in the world? What if instead we spend 40 days seeking to love ourselves as God loves us? 40 days of living purposefully in such a way that we can rise up and claim our identities as beloved children of God? What if we took 40 days to develop a spiritual practice that actually works, one that is actually sustainable after this Lenten season concludes and we are on the other side of Resurrection Sunday? What if we took 40 days to have conversations with God, to have a conversation with ourselves or with all of creation, or 40 days of encouraging and living love out loud in the world, 40 days of claiming our truth and living into that truth that we claim, 40 days of encouraging one another like disciples do, encouraging each other to rise up, to show up, and to live fully into who God has created us all to be, to live fully into God's vision for us, not the vision that the world incorrectly has convinced us we are. So, beloveds, let us embrace this gift of Lent and let us start with our Ash Wednesday ritual coming up in a few days. 
Let us embrace this moment in our church season to recognize and seek a deeper understanding of ourselves and who we are in the eyes of God. Let us spend this time fully seeking to embrace that we are beautifully, wonderfully made images of God. That this Lenten journey is not so much about being called to suffer, but being called to accept the gift of love that God extends to each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. And so, as you consider Lent, as you consider this time that we are about to move into and all of the possibilities that it can hold for a deeper spiritual connection, I challenge you to not be buried by whatever Wednesday's ashes may represent for you. I challenge you to recognize the ways in which you can release the things which keep you from healing, the things that bring you shame, the things that keep you from wholeness, the things that keep you from joy in Christ and in God. I want to challenge you to let those things go, to enter into Lent knowing that you carry a burden and then laying it aside so that at the end of the Lenten season, we may all see ourselves rising up, rising up with a deeper knowledge of who we are a deeper knowledge of how we relate to God and to Christ and how they in turn relate to us. May we see each other rise up with boldness, rise up with joy, with purpose, with possibility, with the knowledge that God is with us and has been with us on this journey. May we all rise up because we can because we may, because we must, because we have been invited to do so. And we have been invited because we are so deeply loved. You are so deeply loved and worthy of this time to develop a deeper relationship with God and with your own spirit. So as we enter into the wilderness of Lent going forward, May we let go of the things that keep us from thriving. May we let go of the things that simply allow us to survive. And may we instead lean into something more meaningful by developing a deeper relationship with God during this time. May it be so. And may it be so for each and every one of us. Amen.